Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hey, 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 folks. Welcome back to another episode of Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. This is Rich Wilgus here in scenic Utica, New York. And uh, I'm Paul Potts in uh, sunny and unseasonably warm Saginaw, Michigan today. Yeah, it's, we've had like a week of 80-degree temperatures here. It is, uh, it is truly uh, bizarre. I, I, I've been enjoying the walks out in the afternoon, getting a little sun, but uh, it's freaking me out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went on 56 miles of bike ride over the past two days. That's and, awesome. And while I'm loving it, I I feel bad at the same time. Because uh because you're concerned this just isn't something's not right about this. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is the warmest history or warmest spring in the history of recorded springs from what I read the other day. So, you know, I mean, I'm sitting in my studio right now and I'm sweating because I don't want the fan on because it'll make noise, you know. So, right. I mean, my no, house is 76 degrees or so right now and I'm loving it. But, you know, and, yeah. and, and the irony is I'm actually going to go curling. One of my final three games is tonight and uh, I almost don't want to curl because, I, I mean, it feels like summer. Curling is a winter sport, you know. Yeah, it must be costing uh, a lot of extra money to cool the the um, what what do they call it? The, the ice, whole, <laughs> the, the rink. ice the to rink. cool the whole building to to keep it cold. Well, we I know, don't I, um, actually air condition in the building at all um, because in the you know it's a winter sport, so we only have heating installed. So basically, oh, they just chill the ice and and have then let that keep the building cool. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, everywhere I've been this past week, stores and whatnot, they actually had their AC on and and that's going to cost them. And then you must think like, what's happening with all the flowering trees and all the bees and all the people's gardens and plants and and food crops, you know? Yeah, it's definitely messing stuff up. I mean, the ice was really weird to play on the uh, last Sunday, too, because the room that the ice was in was 10 degrees warmer than it was supposed to be. Because again, the only oh, thing, it must have been like sweating a lot or something. Yeah, and, and it, your shoes were sticking to it. It was really weird because the only thing keeping that room cold is the ice. Interesting. Yeah, it's it, this isn't quite right, and I'm uh, yeah I'm very concerned about it. But uh, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll leave it for now and try and enjoy it as much as possible. But I do have I have one little. I don't want to get into telling like funny kid stories every single time because I know people who chose uh, not to have kids or don't like kids, we'd probably get sick of cute I, kid I think stories. kids are fine, but I definitely chose not to have kids. Yeah, but you're a Star Wars fan, so you might appreciate this, right? Let's hear it, man. Okay. Lay it on us. So uh, we were going to bed the other night, and uh, not my youngest, but my third youngest is five, a little boy named Sam. And he's uh, he's got some slight uh, autism and development issues, and sometimes we worry about him. And then but uh so we he's he's still in the in the family bed sometimes but uh uh Veronica got up and shut off the light and we all settled down to go to sleep and then i heard this with the light switch off i can't even see 
How am I supposed to fight? Well, that's that's uh, that's a Luke Skywalker reference. Absolutely, and of course, I had to say, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust don't, them. Don't don't <laughs> trust them. Yeah, that was on the Millennium Falcon when. Uh, Right before Alderaan blew up and uh, Ben sat down and something very uh, disturbing. Uh, what did he say? I felt a... I, feel a, I felt a great a tremor in, in the, the force. force or something. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah. Millions oh, yeah. of voices cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Now, right. was, was, were they consciously quoting Star Wars or was that a coincidence? No, absolutely he was because he's a big Star Wars fan. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, I just that kind of thing when he makes so, you know, we we're concerned about him sometimes, but then he makes these jokes that tells you his brain works perfectly fine. He's actually a very sharp little boy. Yeah, that that's uh, that's a good jokes one. Jokes are hilarious. All right, you want to jump into a tune first before we do anything? Yeah, let's hear a tune. All right, let's check this out. I wanna be like the stones I wanna see like the mirror Polished by the crashing waves Don't wanna live like a sinner Don't wanna die in a war Just wanna sit through the winter Polished by the icy wind I had a loved one for dinner She came to me incomplete I threw my lettuce around her I laughed at her stocking feet Now money's never been thinner Nothing's different from that And love has never been bigger Polished by the Romeo Love has never been bigger Polished by the Romeos Love has never been bigger Polished by the Romeos trigger I'd live my life for a song Just wanna be like the river Polished by the salmon and sun I wanna be like the river Polished by the salmon and sun I wanna be like the river Polished by the salmon and sun Stop. 
Yeah, so that's a really nice track called Salmon and Sun by uh, a guy that I know actually named Matt Schwartzer. What'd you think of that track? Uh, I really like the instruments especially. I mean, the vocal performance is nice, but it's it's nicely mixed. Like, you've got these doubled instruments like i think it's is that vibraphone and piano together something like that and then There's doubled f- guitars it's it's just yeah. really it's really nicely blended the bass tucked in there kind of it's not super loud but it just sort of supports the whole thing it's beautiful yeah that my friend uh, mike ward is the sort of producer engineer on that just a really talented guy they're very nicely done. Really, really enjoy the instrumentation, especially. Matt seems to be able to come up with endless, catchy melodies and, and make it work. I mean, dozens of them. Yeah, uh, this is the first I've heard of him, but I'd like to hear more. So it uh, sounds good. It's like every song that he writes uh, is a potential pop hit. We played some of his old band on the older Bloody Veg shows. It was a band called uh, Jonas Grumby, and we probably played eight of their songs. It's like every song on the record was just an amazing, like, poppy hit song. Nice. Yeah. So are you uh, – I know I came equipped without a beverage for today's show. I uh, I think you might have just opened something up. Well, what do you got going there? I did. I have uh, – it's not exactly like a super exotic, uh, super local microbrew kind of thing. I've just got a, a Newcastle Brown Ale, which is one of my favorite basic uh, basic beers. Nice. Yeah, I was going to have one of my hard ciders with you, but then uh, there was one left in the fridge last night, and without thinking, I just drank it. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it's – we're not quite uh, ready for this, for the warm weather. We haven't stocked up. Right, right. So uh, I should I should say you you mentioned curling, but I know almost nothing about this sport except that it involves rocks and ice. Yeah, and forty-two uh, pound I, pieces of granite. <laughs> forty-two pound pieces of granite. So uh, I also know the Jonathan Colton song "Curl," which is silly, but it doesn't explain how the game is played. And I know you've been you talk on Facebook about how very into this you've been recently. So so just tell tell me a little bit about it. Well, curling is a a sport or game, depending on which uh, descriptive word you prefer. You know, I I mean, people get in endless debates about what's the difference between a game and a sport. I don't even care. All I know is it's fun. So the the Scots developed it in the 15th century or something. You know, they found similar sized stones and they probably played it on a loch. And uh, or a pond, and uh, but it's it's evolved over the years, you know. So you have standard size rocks, standard size what they call curling sheets. What what is known as a lane in bowling is known as a sheet in curling. Is a sh- a sheet? This is something that's basically marked on the ice. Yeah, we actually um, when we're making the ice, we stretch yarn the length of the ice as tight as we can get it and then we kind of walk along with a little sprayer to temporarily freeze it down and and that's how we mark the lines a sheet is usually 14 feet 8 inches to to 16 feet wide i think it can be legal and be anywhere within that range mhm interesting and the so, target is called the house by the way yeah i the colton song the chorus goes uh, come on baby put the rock in the house and i'm guessing that's what it was but uh, couldn't couldn't tell you how that goes. So you're, I, I was just asking earlier. So you said you poke the thing with a stick, but you were saying actually, you have to get down and shove it on well, you're, skates. You're actually, you know, you're not on skates. You're on shoes. One of which has a Teflon bottom, so you slide. And an, an ideally delivered curling stone is not shoved at all. 
You're not on skates. I, I thought this was some, actually, uh, not knowing much, I kind of imagined this as like a variant of ice hockey, but I guess not. Well, in Canada, well, they play both. I mean... <laughs> right, right. But you don't even have skates on. So you're, 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 you get the thing going. Tell me how this works. Well, all of the motion of the rock, all of the energy put into the rock should ideally come from your leg drive. You're in kind of a lunge position, so you push with your right. If you're a right-handed player, you're holding the rock with your right hand and some sort of device in your left hand to help you balance. Mm. For a lot like, of people, like, that's their broom. Or now they have these more modern stabilizers to help new curlers. This is like some other, like a little stool or something with Teflon or... Well, the stabilizer or? is just like a little tripod with a handle on it that slides along with you, you know. Or some of the old school players use their broom. They hold their broom in their hand. One side of the broom has like a smooth surface on it to slide against the ice. So your your left foot is in front of you. Your right foot is behind you for a right-handed delivery. You've got the stone in your right hand. And there's these things called hacks, which are really just like sprinters starting blocks. They give you that hmm. little um, angled thing to put your forefoot against to push off of. Wow. And so you push off of the hack and all of the energy of the stone should get imparted into the rock through the leg drive. That would be ideal. And then you either put a clockwise or counterclockwise spin on the rock. So you give it, this hack is attached to the ice somehow, like nailed in or something, and you give it basically as big a shove as you can to start out? So any reasonably fit adult should be able to deliver the rock with enough energy to get it the, the length of the ice, which is from the center of each house to the center of each house. I, I forget what that is, 112 feet or something like that? So it slides. Once you give it a little momentum, it slides on its own for a long, long way. Yeah. I mean, the trick is getting it to stop where you want, right? Ah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about this uh, this broom thing and the, the trying to help it along. Because I think that's the part that kind of to, to not to not to be mocking, but to people watching maybe for the first time looks a, a little, little ridiculous. Silly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, years ago when we were always curling outdoors, the broom was probably to remove debris, snow, ice, dirt, leaves. Okay, yeah. You know that kind of thing. But in time, people actually figured out that um, they didn't know what was going on, but the rock travels farther if you sweep vigorously. You scrub it right in front of it. Initially, um, I think people thought you were polishing the surface of the ice and just making it a little smoother. Uh, So maybe there was less resistance and the rock would go further. But in modern times, we've learned that there actually is a heat transfer taking place. Mm. So maybe you're liquefying the very top layer of the ice a little bit. Or or at the molecular level, yeah. Yeah, just just a thin film, just enough. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Because so the rock, will so the rock is on water instead of on a solid. Well, just the weight of the rock pressing down on the ice creates a very molecular thin liquid layer, right? You know. The, yeah, yeah. But That's the how sweeping, ice work. the sweeping, you know, maybe takes that down another half degree for a second, and as long as you're sweeping close to the rock as it's moving, the ice is still warmed as the rock goes over it. Yeah. So this, uh, this you were saying that it felt different. The ice was strange. Your last uh, practice. So you think probably the right at that boundary layer, the exact air temperature and humidity probably has a, a large 
difference in the behavior of the ice and the rock, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I could feel, you know, your shoes have this very soft rubber on the bottom so that they stick to the ice. Mm-hmm. Not stick to the ice in the sense that they're frozen, but so that there's, because the ice is a solid surface. We keep it at about 24 degrees. So you, Well, so you can get a grip at all. Right, and but the ice was tacky. Your gripper would, would your, on your shoes, would, you would put your foot on the ice, and when you lifted it off, it was freezing. So that meant that the humidity in the air, the fact that the sun had been beating down on the ice shed, and the temperature in the actual ice rink was 10 degrees warmer than uh, we would normally want for an ideal game. Ideally, at the start of a game all winter, we keep it at about 42 in the ice shed. Yeah. But that day it was 52. So this is a, a little applied atmospheric and surface physics. Interesting. Yeah, and again, I mean, there are a lot of subtleties to the game, right? I mean, um, unlike in, 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 what are known as innings in baseball are known as ends in curling, except only one team can score. Basically, mm. the scoring goes like this. The, the team with the rock closest to the center of the house is the only team that can score. That rock is called shot rock. And for every rock that you have closer to the center than your opponent's closest rock, you get one point. Does that make sense? I think so. So, so, uh, so if, the, if your opponents have no rocks in the 12-foot diameter circle and you have four in there, you would get four points. If they have one rock that's closer than all but three of your rocks, um, they, you would get three points. Or uh, Did I word that right? Uh, if you have three rocks that are <laughs> – it's, it's hard to describe. But, yeah, every rock of yours that's closer than the other team's closest rock counts as one point. I see. So, yeah, whoever, whoever gets the most rocks closer. And there is a lot of tactics and strategy that goes into curling. You just don't throw for the, what they call the button. Yeah. You just don't throw for it because then your opponents can knock that rock off with their rock. So what oh. you do is you put up a guard first. You put up a blocker, essentially. And because curling, when you throw a stone, it curls. It goes in an arc. So you can then throw a rock and get it to curl behind the guard that you threw. And, and it can be protected. So if they're going to remove the rock that's in the house, first they're going to have to remove the guard. Um, Interesting. So yeah. there, really is, there really is strategy behind all this uh, actually sending the rocks curling or arcing around behind right. each other. Right, and the faster you throw the rock, the less it arcs. So, you know, to, to, to throw what's called takeout weight, you have to throw it pretty hard. So the rock's not going to curl at all. So you're not going to be able to get at that rock in the back. You're going to have to try to remove the guard first. So It, it sounds like this is uh, both athletic and social and also, in a way, very, very nerdy sport. Oh, it's, it's super <laughs> geeky, which is why it appeals to me. I mean, you know, uh, my broom is made out of the stiffest, lightest carbon fiber there is. And, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there is a fitness level to the sport, too, because if you're sweeping hard, your heart rate should go from standing to about 160 yeah, yeah. in about 20 seconds. Uh, so you so you do need you do need to have a certain level of fitness definitely to well, be good Well, not everybody at it. does. I mean, some people just don't sweep well. You know, for some yeah. people it's like their 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 Thursday night bowling league. It's a beer drinking thing and a social thing. I go there to win. I mean, not that I'm an ass about it and I'm a bad sport, but if I'm going to play the game, I'm going to try to get good at it and I, I'm going to try to win, you know. You feel so, at least a certain degree of competitiveness in it. Yeah, yeah and again, I'm not a screaming <laughs> competitive raging hemorrhoid out there, but you know, if I'm going to play I'm going to try to play as best as I can, you know? Yeah. 
Well, good. It sounds really fun. It sounds like something I'd like to try. I don't know if there's a club around here. There is a club it's around there. It's hard for there. me to get. Oh, yeah, that's right. You look, I told you, you that last it. year, I think. last. I think before this winter, the previous winter, you and I were chatting, and I found you a club that's somewhere near you. And it, you know, it would be worth your time just to go down there when they have a learn to curl night. Just to go watch or try it out or something. Exactly. Meet some, meet some folks. Yeah, it, it, it really would. Um, I, Grace is trying to get me to use a Family Y membership we just signed up for. And that's uh, that's hard enough for me to do, but uh, I I will I will try. Yeah, well, so tonight I have my first of our last three games. It's a club only bond spiel called the Rose. It's only for club members, and it's really just a friendly thing, you know. Yeah, we're keeping score, but it's all just counting down to the closing party this Saturday when everybody gets drunk and we turn off the freezers, and you're actually allowed to bring ice skates. Uh, to to oh, skate on the ice nice. because you do not skate on curling ice. <laughs> curling, nice, so cur- you finally get to skate on it. Curling ice is prepared a completely different way, and maybe in the future I'll talk about that a little more because we don't zamboni it. We don't, it, curling ice is not flat, but we'll get into that another time because I don't want our show to go fifty nine million minutes because I know our next topic is going to be a hot one. So you want to? I think uh, yeah. You want to jump think into we're another? Have tune? a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's play this one. This one is another one by Matt Schwartzer, the guy we played uh, a little while ago. I don't know why we're featuring him twice. Uh, part of the reason is because it kept me from uh, having to go out and search for music, but he just released this record mm, right around either late fall or, or winter time of, of 2011. So it's a fairly recent release. And uh, I, again, I think the guy's a super talent. So let's check this one out.
So that was another nice track by Matt, a little edgier, had a more of a more of a rock and roll vibe, almost like the Foo Fighters or something, you know, a little bit more aggressive attitude. What'd you think of that one? Oh yeah, it's it's very different. When I first listened to him to preview, like really, this is the same guy. But yeah, it. Um, I don't know, Foo Fighters or what I was thinking was like this buzzsaw descending guitar line that kind of makes these almost dissonant. You know, I mean, it's not that it's not in tune, but it creates like this aggressive kind of dissonant descending line that repeats. And I was thinking um, Smashing Pumpkins or it's kind of mm, like a, yeah. a 90s, 90s sound, I thought, but yeah. uh, but liked it. Yeah, it's a nice song. Yeah, he, he just has an album full of them. I mean, the album, I love the whole album. And uh, I actually mastered a tune that he wrote uh, right before Christmas, actually, uh, a single. Cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to listen to the whole album. That yeah, I'll try, to, uh, I'll try to get you a copy. That song was called Annalie or Annalie, A-N-N-A-L-I-E. Um, I don't know specifically who or what that is, but uh, I think it's a great track. Yeah, sounds good. So um, in the news lately, there's been a lot of talk about uh, This American Life, uh, Mike Daisy, Apple Computer, Foxconn story. Right. Where he may Definitely. have misrepresented uh, some of the facts a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, that became the story, and it's really unfortunate because Mike Daisy and his monologue and all that is basically the tale of the dog, but when he uh, has a a sort of a a scandal and implodes or whatever over allegations of lying in his... uh, in his material, then that becomes the story and the the dog itself gets forgotten. Right, right. Well, um, so you've listened to it all? Yeah, I've, I, I listened to the original quite some time ago. I mean, I had been aware of some of the allegations about the manufacturing problems, and I had listened to Mike Daisy's monologue before it was featured on uh, on This American Life. Oh, how did you uh, happen to do that? Because I, I wasn't really familiar with the guy prior to... I- this American Life. I, I'm not sure. I, some somewhere it was linked to some somewhere I found it uh, this, uh, a while back. But then it, and it wasn't probably wasn't that long. I don't remember the exact sequence of events. But I was I was aware of it. So, uh, but it's pretty clear then that being featured on This American Life made him big, at least outside his usual circles, and broke that story. And I, but I big. agree with you, though. You know, I, I, I think the story here is, so what? Um, you know, he may or may not have lied a little in his piece, but the larger issue is, again, you know, workers' rights, um, the health and safety of, of the Chinese workers and everything else. And as you pointed out, you know, the, the people, why this is a political issue and not a human right, a simple human rights issue that everybody can agree on is beyond me. But the right wing, I'm sure, is going to run with this and say, see, everything in those Chinese factories is fine. Apple computers doing everything they need to be doing. And now we're done. End of story. It's interesting because, yeah, that's, I think... I was waiting for a big backlash with people saying, uh, see, this proves that uh, liberals are liars or proves that, you know, this isn't an issue or whatnot. But I haven't seen one. I haven't actually seen a big backlash. I've seen a few comments uh, and a few stories and and sort of a commentary that downplays it a little bit. Yeah, I've seen some articles that I thought were actually pretty fair. 
Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, then again, I don't watch or listen to a lot of right-wing media anymore, so who knows? I don't know what the Limbaugh's and the Hannity's and the Combs and the blah, blah, blahs, the sh- you know, I don't know what yeah. those guys are saying. I don't know if Limbaugh did it, but I, I was looking on Fox for something, and I didn't see anything too uh, too rabid. So I guess I think part of it is that um, by uh, clearly apologizing and making the whole story, you know, about their mea culpa, you know, Ira Glass and his crew, they def- they like pre-defused a lot of the potential anger about that. So you know, I mean, I, it's not cl- clear what. Daisy was, you know, trying to do other than sort of promote himself and make his story more dramatic. But well, I think he is outraged at the indifference that consumers, and I hate that word because I don't think of myself as a consumer. I think of myself as a person. But I think he is outraged at the fact that, you know, I'm talking into, well, my microphone is made in the United States, but, um, you know, he's outraged that people are talking into these little rectangular devices every day, whether they're Apple or, or Nokia or whatever, and they're all made right. in these, these factories in China where workers aren't necessarily treated as well as, say, their American counterparts. Yeah, it's something important to keep in mind. But uh, from my perspective, I mean, at the very end of this Ira Glass piece, there it comes the real story where he's talking with a New York Times reporter called uh, Charles Duhigg, I think his name is. And then that debate turned into Ira kind of quipping. This was like, he felt like the piece was winding down and, and Ira was quipping, uh, I feel like the thing we all want to know when we hear about this is, wait, should we feel bad about this? Should I feel bad about this? And at that point, my wife was listening along with me. At that point, she had to leave the room in disgust because <laughs> yeah. she was ready to start screaming at the at the radio. I mean, when I listened uh, to the retraction piece, I heard a lot of anger and indignant. Is it, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, Oh, what is that word? Right, righteous indignation? Yeah, indignation. I, I, you know, I said, indeed, oh, how dare you? You know, I heard a lot of that, and I, I mean, it's, it's just seems like it was more about the ego of maybe Ira or the This American Life itself, like, you fooled us, you evil bastard. I'm never going to believe you again. And, and again, the story is there's Chinese there was, workers there was some being of that. Yeah. poisoned and, and, you know, repetitive stress injuries on their bodies. And, you know, okay, so fine. He might not have talked to people at eight factories. He talked to people at three. Yeah, I mean, he, he essentially the, the facts of the case as far as the injuries and the explosions and the deaths and, the, and even the underage workers and all that – if the exact figures are wrong or he fabricated his actual meetings and what he personally saw and experienced to, uh, for dramatic effect. But yeah, it doesn't change the fact that that people have died to bring you the, this technology. And it's worse than that. It's, it's, it's actually much worse than that. Many because... boffins have died to bring us this information. <laughs> no, I don't mean but to if... make light of that situation at all. I just had to get another Star Wars quote in there. Yeah, no. That's, that's... Yeah, he, he definitely is an entertainer. He's a storyteller. And he definitely ran fast and loose with some of the facts. Maybe to make it more believable, I was there, you know, instead of I heard secondhand, you know. No, because uh, firsthand information is always better than hearsay. But nonetheless, all of these issues of the um, 
and hexane or whatever that solvent was they were using to clean the screens. You know, these things actually all happened. Just because he may not have actually talked to the person, they are documented by Apple right. Computer and the various uh, policing organizations that are looking at this. So, you know, what yeah. what was the phrase that you used to, to describe it? The tail wagging? I mean, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There's another cliche here, you know? Right. right. I don't know. I mean, it's important to remember... Um, they they have documented, and this is at the end and in, in the appendix, you can kind of get this from the uh, site. There's a, like a fuller uh, PDF file, the text of the interview. And more than half of the workers involved working over 60 hours a week, uh, often they will do two 12-hour shifts back-to-back. Right. Um, the thing about these this like dust explosions, I mean, this, the real scandal in my view is not that there was a dust explosion because that – happens and it's happened you know in the u.s in grain elevators and factories and that type of things but that there was a second one seven months later in a supplier in a factory that had just been inspected well what bothers me about this piece even more is something that i read and i think you did too uh maybe last month uh, that piece came out it was a mother jones piece called i was a warehouse wage slave and it talks about the workers who work in these large warehouses, and they're everywhere. We have one locally. One of the big something mart stores has a 12 million square foot warehouse five miles from where I'm sitting right now. And the, this, this Mother Jones piece, which we'll link to on the blog, talked about all these workers and how dehumanizing their treatment is and how, for example, they have to work in pain every day because... Uh, they're they're working these extended long days like these Chinese workers, and they they have to take like five or six Advil every day just to be able to finish their their ten hour shift because of course eight hour shifts aren't are unheard of in these in these warehouses. So you know what bothers me the most about this is that this is apparently the corporate America or the corporate vision for what the workplace should be like, and this should scare the hell out of everybody in the world. Well, the fact that it's, you know, we're, we're living in the future, right, where all these things are, are high-tech and convenient, like you can, you, you can buy whatever you want on Amazon or Walmart.com or whatever. You just click and you get this stuff done, this magic. Yeah, they may have been referring to Amazon, too. They were talking about one of the world's biggest mail-order houses in the, the Mother Jones piece. So I, I think they were hinting. I don't know if they actually said Amazon.com, but they were definitely hinting at that that the warehouse where these workers were working was Amazon.com. Yeah, but so whether it's you know a, a high tech phone that'll, that you can talk to, or 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 just a website where you can collect order and it remembers your shopping cart and all that, and you get stuff delivered uh, seemingly magically. Well, we know what the magic is. The magic is people working like slaves. Yeah, they're treated poorly. What was that? If you're late even one second in your first week, you're automatically fired. And then if yeah. you're late, they obviously every workplace in the world keeps track of tardiness. And if you're late a lot, you're going to get fired. But it used to be, yeah. you know, you were given uh, a fair – if you weren't a, a, a repeat offender that they knew were going to be a problem, if you're late a few times, you're late. But these guys, it's – it's uh, What's the that? example the example they gave was of a guy who was like about to become a father and I think his wife was in labor and so he was he was late for a shift and you know his his boss because this is a subsidiary of a subsidiary of so and so subcontracted out and all their everything is specced for them and laid out for them you know his supervisor had no choice 
but to fire him, basically, but to not treat him with any human compassion and understanding. Like, we're human beings. We have sicknesses, and we have children, and we have wives in labor, you know? Yeah, and I mean, this, to me, how is that different than what's going on at Foxconn in China? And if this is the vision that the world's corporatocracy, which is really what's running the world right now, has for us, it's pretty frightening. And I think it people, is frightening. Pe- yeah, and I think people would be wise to be to be wary of this and to fight back against it because you know the days of the good paying jobs with really good benefits and you know uh, retirements they're just gone largely for people of our generation. You know, my dad's just got out of his workplace with uh, with a retirement and they tried to beat him up over it. They didn't, you know what I mean? They tried to pull it out from under him at the last minute and. My mother had the same had the same thing happen where she was basically forced out of her job and then she had to go to court to to get access to her retirement. Yeah, I mean if yeah. if any of you aren't familiar with the story, um I will have links to the original piece, the retraction, and to the This American Life blog post where they talk about the retraction, as well as the Mother Jones I was a warehouse wage slave piece and you know, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, with what you guys have to say about this. I mean, I forgot to mention our feedback email address last time, but our uh, feedback is feedback at bloodyveg.com. I mean, I'd be curious to know if any of our old listeners are still out there listening. Definitely drop us a line and, and, and let us know. But I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, the, the story is, so what? The guy made some stuff up to make a point. I mean, I'd really like to get him on the show and say, what were you thinking? Because didn't it occur to you that you might uh, in doing so, damage, you know, hurt the message, minimize the message, the good you were trying to do. I mean, you know, I would just, you know, like to give him a big, what were you thinking? I, I mean, I don't care that he he took a few liberties, but he clearly didn't think it through. It's He clearly didn't think it through trying to bring this uh, type of thing from the realm of his one person, you know, dramatic show and drop that into another context, which is supposed to be journalism. Yeah. And you can also debate maybe this American life has only recently really gotten into hardcore journalism. I mean, oftentimes they've had shows that were much more personal stories by private people. They do try to fact check, but then they also have people who are entertainers, you know, Sarah Val and other monologists and whatnot. And I don't, you know, honestly, I haven't, listening to This American Life for many years don't usually sit there when you have a monologist telling a really funny story. I'm not obsessing about whether every word of that story is true or not. Well, and I don't go to This American Life for uh, journalism. I mean, facts, yes. For for investigative journalism. Yeah, I go there for human stories about human people, about the human condition. Right. But when they do, you know, say... represent a piece as fact, it should be fact, and he should have known. I don't know what Daisy was thinking either, but, you know, from you can hear him in that interview and then in the follow-up to the interview, you know, basically spinning excuses and spinning uh, rationales. And yeah, and he should have actually owned it a little more, I think, you know, because he never said it was journalism. You know, he never came out and said this was hardcore journalism uh, that I recall. So... Uh, no, you know he no. should have he should have owned what he did a little more and come out and said, "Well, we're missing the bigger picture here, like you and I did." So that, that's what I yeah. think about it, and we'd love to hear what you think about it. But uh... well, that sound yep. can only mean one thing. 
Looks like we've what come. What could that be? I don't know. <laughs> I think we've come to the end of another episode of Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. I don't think anything's resolved, but hopefully we gave you a lot to think about. My name is Rich Wilgus. I'm Paul Potts. And you can check us out on the web at www.bloodyveg.com. Yes, folks, the blog is still going, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us some feedback to feedback at bloodyveg.com. All of our old listeners, if you're out there, please drop us a line and let us know. Love to hear from you and uh, interact with you again. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.